You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, or had a nice holiday season with your family and friends. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a key Boston College player returning to the Eagles and what that means to the program. We're also going to look at what Boston College football needs to do to get that to that next level, where they have to improve. And finally, we're going to kick off our weekly end-of-the-year series looking at the 10 best moments in Boston College sports in 2020. Today, we're going to give you number 9 and 10. Since we last spoke to you, it's been a quiet time for Boston College sports. There hasn't been any uh, sporting events that we haven't talked about already. There were no basketball games. There were no hockey games, as uh, both have been off. Now, we're going to look at one piece of news. It's been quiet. If you checked out BC Bulletin, you're like, hey, there's not really a lot going on. Recruiting's been quiet. Transfer portal's been quiet. But there was some news on Sunday as Zion Johnson announced that he is going to return to the Eagles and have his sixth season in college sports. Now, if you remember about Johnson, he came to Boston College from Davidson as a grad transfer last year and had two seasons with the Eagles. Now, fortunately for Boston College fans, NCAA is allowing any player an extra year of eligibility, basically saying that 2020 was a wash that it didn't count towards eligibility, that any player that wanted to come back and get that extra year could. And it had been a big question. You know, a lot of people have been asking me, like, who's going to come back? And honestly, it's a personal decision, and I think it's a school decision that they talk with the kids, and we haven't heard anything yet. So Zion Johnson is the first to say he's coming back. Two players have already declared for the draft, and that's Max Roberts and Isaiah McDuffie. So those were two that had left, but... Johnson will be the first to return. And this is a big deal for a few reasons. First of all, Boston College's offensive line, on paper, should be a very good offensive line. We said that this year, too, but we saw that they really struggled. But maybe with a year under their belts, a year with more uh, continuity with the coaching staff, the ability to train and work with the strength and conditioning coaches on a more regular basis, and hopefully without all this COVID regulations, they'll be able to do what they need to do to make themselves one of the best offensive lines in the country because you look top to bottom, that group could be really good. But you have to also wonder, will they all return? Now, the big name that you're going to want to watch for is Ben Petrula. He's also a senior who has the same rights as Johnson to return if he wants. Now, we don't have any news on whether he's going to return or not. There's no uh, tea leaves to read on this one. But if Petrula returns, there's no reason to believe that Boston College won't have all five of their starters in 2021. So what I would love to see, I think this would be a big thing. So if you remember, Zion Johnson, when he first came here under Steve Adazio, they put him at guard. And he blew up. I mean, he was you know he started I think nine games his his first year with Boston College, won Player of the Week twice, and was one of the best graded offensive linemen in the ACC. Now, I'm, for reasons I'm not too sure about, they moved him to tackle this offseason, 
And the the offensive line in general just didn't play well, and he was part of that crew, so it, it kind of reflected how his grade would look. So I have to wonder. I wonder if part of this is he wants to make sure that he gets he maximizes his value. You know, I, I think, honestly, his value went down this year because the offensive line didn't look all that great. Um, and if they can get a really good year out of him, that would be awesome um, for him and for the school, obviously. So my question is, I wonder if BC might do some moving around on the offensive line again. But don't fret. I'm not saying that they, they're going to just shake it up again. Go back to what they did in 2019. So put Zion Johnson back at guard. And then have if Petrula comes back, he he can you can slot him anywhere. You can put him at tackle. You can put him at guard. You can do whatever you need to do. But if he doesn't come back, then you put in Ozzy Trapillo, who I know a lot of people have been really high on. And everything I've heard about Trapillo is that he's ready to roll pretty soon. So maybe you put Johnson back at guard and you put Trapillo at tackle. So now you have you know the future tackle right there, Ozzy Trapillo, who I've heard is going to be the best offensive lineman people have seen at Boston College in years. You have Johnson at his natural position. You have Tyler Vrabel, and you have Alec Lindstrom. You're set. You have everything you need. Now, Christian Mahogany would be the odd man out, but honestly, with, with offensive linemen having depth like that, where a guy like you have like Mahogany, you can, you can kind of plug in when you need him. That's never a bad thing to have. So I'm not sure if that's what they're going to honestly do. I don't know what their plans are going to be, but that's something they could think of. Or they could say that, hey, Johnson's learned how to play tackle. He's just going to continue to improve and just leave him out there at tackle. I mean, if he's if he's looking to maximize his uh, NFL value, being a first or second round tackle is going to make him a very, very rich man. And it's harder for guards. I know Chris Lindstrom did it, but it's harder for guards to get that kind of money. Tackles are, are like the premium NFL paid position. So Johnson will return and we still have to wait for some other names. You know, anyone could still declare for the NFL draft, but names you're going to want to watch for that could come back to Boston College. Mike Palmer is one. Dion Jones is another one. You're going to want to hear maybe Max Richardson. I doubt it doesn't sound. I mean, I think he'd probably have made his decision by now, but Richardson would be another name to watch for. Kobe White is definitely returning. I've heard he, I mean, he already announced that earlier this year that he'd be back. So he's not someone I would worry about. Uh, Aaron Bumeri, I think is a big one to watch for at kicker. You know, he had a really good year last year and it would be nice to have one more year with him. Uh, he's someone to watch for. And, Linebacker John Lamott and Brandon Barlow at defensive ends. So these are some names you're going to want to watch for. And head over to BC Bulletin, where I'll be tracking these players as they make their decisions. Today, it was BC releasing it. It was actually a nice little tweet. It just said, I'm back. And that was, the, they said, we talked to Zion Johnson about his plans, and that's all it said was, I'm back. So I wonder if they're going to release every player that decides to come back. Um, but we'll have to see how they do that. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to plan to do. But check out bcbulletin.com and make sure you follow us at Boston College SI. Um, and we'll break down and, and be right on top of any breaking news um, in this. In a moment, we're going to talk about what Boston College needs to do to improve in 2021. There's been a lot of talk about this team jumping to the next level, becoming a 9 or 10 win season based off the offense they have to do. But they're not there yet. And they need to do a few things to take that next step. And we're going to talk about what those things are going to be. But before we do, 
I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. Now, we are coming down the home stretch in both college and pro football, and there's a lot of bets that you can be making on betonline.ag. This week, tonight, uh, the New England Patriots face off with the Buffalo Bills. And if you are a fan of the Patriots like I am, that 7.5 points for the Bills seems like a juicy spread. So uh, I'm looking at that game and thinking Buffalo seems like an easy pick. But that's your own call, and that's what I'm going with. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is Locked On Boston College. I want to talk to you about another Locked On show, Locked On Bets. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot to start the season, and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. Again, this is AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. I again want to thank you all for a great year. It's been a fantastic uh, two months that we've had this Lockdown Boston College podcast. And the re- response from all of you has been overwhelming. We've had over 60 different re- reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've had I've gotten tons of emails, different recommendations, tweets, all sorts of things. And the site, the podcast is growing so much already in just two months. And I want to thank you all. It's it's really meant a lot to me to get the response that we have. Now, this next topic is something I wanted to bring up because I see a lot of you, the the viewing and re, the listening audience, bringing this up on Twitter. And that is, where does Boston College go from here? You know, Boston College went six and five in two thousand twenty. And I see a lot of people expecting a big year next year. And what next year's schedule could look like could be anyone's guess. It's 11 games right now, but definitely could go up to 12. And, it, you know, they have an out-of-conference schedule of UMass, Temple, and Missouri. So an interesting trio of teams. They could obviously add a fourth, and that would probably be an FCS school. I know people are going to be upset about that, but that's probably going to be where they go. And they're cross um conference game is against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. As we saw this year, Georgia Tech is a team that uh, is still struggling to find where they're at. Uh, They were not a bowl-eligible team, so I think BC gets a good draw finally in that regards. But So people are saying, you know, they want to see Jeff Halfley and this team go the next, then take that next step. Get to 8, 9, 10 wins and really become a contender in the ACC. So that's obviously a great aspirations, and I think a lot of us want to see that and could see that with this program based off of the talent they have with Zay Flowers and Phil Dracovic and with that offensive line that's all returning and some good solid pieces on defense. But what do they need to improve? Where does Boston College need to go in so, so that they can you know, get those big wins. They're going to need to win some big games. So here are some steps I think Boston College needs to take to take that next step and become the upper echelon of, B- of ACC schools. There are two big factors, I think. The first one is, well, look at the defense. The defense needs to improve. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, there's mixed feelings about how the defense did this year, but it's realistic to say that they took the step in the right direction. They, are they perfect? They're definitely not there yet. As we saw against like UVA and Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, Boston College's defense got blasted off the field by faster offenses and mobile quarterbacks. So one thing on defense they're going to need to do is they're going to need to become better at attacking quarterbacks. And that can come in two different ways. 
that doesn't always mean blitzing quarterbacks. Obviously, that's something that we need to see more of. We need to see this defense become more, um, you know, aggressive and, and being able to get getting the quarterback. But also for those mobile quarterbacks, it's being able to prevent them, to spy them and prevent them from running for 20 yards at a clip every time they see open field, because that was happening quite a bit this year. So having the ability to spy quarterbacks, being able to attack and be aggressive against them will make this defense take that next step. And I think they did that. I think they took a good step in that direction by grabbing Jaden Lars Woodbay and Isaiah Graham Mobley, two linebacker hybrids um, that are coming in from Temple and Florida State. The other piece on defense that they're going to need to improve on is tackling. I mean, everyone has saw that this year, that there were some challenges with tackling and I'm not making excuses for this year. Obviously they still need to grow and they need to, to do better, but I, I have to wonder with a full spring and the ability to use the equipment and work with trainers throughout the summer, if their tackling will improve, because I think it's a strength and conditioning thing. And I know the other teams had issues too, but you know, with, the new staff there able to work with them and, and really get these defenders, um, you know, more on, on where they should be in terms of strength. I think that could also help tackling. And that's something I'm sure Jeff Halfley is going to work on in terms of technique as well. Technique is obviously an important part. Now, the other piece that helps with all of this is depth. And I'm not sure where Boston College is on depth. Now, the one piece that I am a little concerned about is the linebacking group. And I know people, weren't the biggest fans of Max Richardson and Isaiah McDuffie at times, but they they were good good linebackers at time, you know, for for good chunks of the year. And you have to admit that it's going to be a jump off for you when you're losing your top two tacklers. So there's some some issues with depth that I'm I'm worried about. And I think if some of these freshmen on the defensive line can jump in, uh, they grabbed about you know what like six guys that could play there. If there's anyone on in that depth chart. They can play immediately and, and add some valuable snaps. Play that role that Max Roberts played this year. You know, get in there on specific downs and, and and work that. I think that'll be helpful. And I still don't think they're done in the transfer portal. They've only grabbed two. I wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed six to eight transfers total. So adding depth, I think, in Jeff Halfley's system is so important. You see it in the secondary. They were cycling guys in left and right, and it worked. You know, those guys did really well. You never saw wide receivers take the top off of this defense. You saw issues other elsewhere. But if Jeff Halfley can put that depth together on defense, they'll be able to take that next step. So I think that's the next the next big thing that they need on the defense. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not going to get into it because we've beaten it like a dead horse already. But the running game needs to improve. Obviously, I, I put up on the website on Sunday they never scored Boston College did not score a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter at all this season. That has to change. They were averaging two yards a carry in the fourth quarter. Um, they need to figure out how to get that running game going more consistently. Um, obviously, you look at the stats of when, when they were winning versus when they were losing and how that rushing attack worked. And it's, it's striking. Check out bcbulletin.com. I'm not going to get into it here. But the rushing ta- attack obviously has to work. The second piece, the bigger piece, and the one that I'm more concerned about is the red zone efficiency of this offense. They left so many points on the board. They were 116th in the country in red zone touchdown percentage, meaning how many trips does Boston College make it into the red zone that end up with touchdowns? 
they left so and Halfley talked about it all year. So this is not a new thing. He was very aware of it. He talked about it a lot. You know, we left points on the board. We we didn't execute. There was issues with execution in that red zone, and that is a huge. That's a big glaring hole there. You know, obviously you want to see the defense improve too, but if you're just giving up points that you could be putting on the board, you need those. I mean, think about some of the games that they had where they were not able to execute down there and how big of a difference that would have made. So that's that's a big thing. I think that they need to figure out how to get some points in the end zone. And, you know, you have guys to do it next year. You have Kobe White and you have C.J. Lewis. Tight end's going to be a bit of a trick, be tricky, but maybe you can figure out ways to be more creative with Jakovic, whether it's rushing uh, out of the pocket or, you know, doing some, you know, design draws, things like that, I think will be important. Or if you just need to line up and smash him in the mouth, listen, using Steve Adazio's system when you're in that kind of zone, is not. there's nothing wrong with that. If they just want to line up and, and pound people because they can down in the red zone, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. So, but, you know, don't do it all game long. So I think those are some big things. Now, conceptually-wise, so you know, those are some pieces on the offense and defense they need to fix. Now, just thinking big picture, obviously some big things are going to need to happen. Is They're going to need to beat some teams that they, they haven't been able to beat. And whether that's a Clemson, whether that is Virginia Tech, like a good Virginia Tech team, whether that is next year, maybe NC State is ranked again. They're going to need to beat some ranked teams. I think that's a big thing. Now, their schedule is is pretty lenient. I mean, they have, you know, UMass, Temple, Missouri, Florida State, uh, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Syracuse. Those are all easy, winnable games for a good team. Now, they're just going to take care of business there. Now, the games that are going to be tough, NC State, Clemson, and maybe Virginia Tech, but maybe Virginia Tech would just, you know, if they get the defense back in, in rhythm, Boston College can take care of them. So, again, this is the schedule that's in front of us. Who, who the heck knows what's going to happen in, in a couple months? But, I, you know, maybe winning a big game. Maybe Missouri's good next year and they have to beat them. But just winning some of those big games, getting those confidence boosters that this team can take out anyone. Like, this year was great because they, they hung with Notre Dame. They hung with UNC. And we're able to kind of take them to the limit. The next step has to be to take them out. They they gotta they gotta have that killer instinct. They gotta go in there, you know, whether it's down at Memorial Stadium against Clemson and then punch them in the mouth and never let go, or or going to NC State and and, and finishing off the Wolfpack. That is going to be the step. That is what takes a team from a good team, a good feel good story, to a team that everyone has to watch out for. And I think Boston College can get there. I think they get the talent on offense. And the defense, I, I trust where Halfley's going with this and Tem Lokabu. I think they're going to go there next. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about some of the moments in 2020. We're going to give you two, number 10 and number 9, and our top moments of the 2020 list. And we're also going to give you a low light because, you know, can't always be all sunshine and roses here on Lockdown Boston College. So just in a moment, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Now, if you're like me, you're always on the move and you you need to find food that's quick and nutritious and that's not going to put a lot of weight on you. Now, that's what Built Bar is all about. Built Bar is absolutely delicious. It's 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and it comes in 18 amazing flavors, including nut and not fl- nut, non-nut flavors for all of you that have your preferences, and I have mine. Listen to some of these options you got. Cookies and cream, coconut almond, raspberry, double chocolate, toffee almond, and coconut. 
Now, you're not going to get anything better than this because Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Now, listen to the flavor profile of the coconut almond, which tastes just like a, a almond joy. It, it can't beat it. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. How are you going to beat that? It's going to keep you filled, and it's not bad for you. Now, here's what you're going to do. We have a special deal with Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Locked On Boston College. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to continue on looking at the news in Boston College sports. We're going to preview a little bit on Boston College's upcoming game against NC State. And we're going to continue down our list of the top 10 moments in 2020. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBC. So we're at the end of 2020, and it has been a weird year in terms of sports. First of all, we didn't get any... Uh, resolution in college hockey as the tournaments were all canceled because of COVID-19. Football was weird. There's no other way to put it with COVID-19 restrictions, making a season that was felt disjointed with no fans. And it was just an odd year. So we had that on top of it, but there were still 10 moments that we can talk about. 10 great moments that define Boston College's sports year. And I'm going to give you my list. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's totally cool. I love I love a good argument. So hit me up on Twitter and tell me what you think. So here's number 10 and number 9 of my top 10 moments of 2020. Number 10 is Boston College men's hockey's 14-game streak without a loss. They went 13 games in there with wins, but with one tie against UNH. Now, to tell you how special this streak of hockey was, Boston College not only just beat, they beat teams like they should have, like UNH, Merrimack, but they beat some good teams in there. They beat, you know, perennial contenders, Northeastern. They beat UMass, who was a top five school. They beat Providence. And they had the game probably of their life against Northeastern last year when they won 10-1, to a, team, a game in which they just pummeled Northeastern, uh, the, the defending uh, Hockey East champion. So it was a huge game. It's a huge stretch of wins for this program. And for Boston College Hockey, it was, it was one of those moments where it felt like Jerry York's magic was back and that this team was ready to roll. Now, unfortunately, at the end of last year, they didn't get to play in the Hockey East tournament because it was canceled because of COVID. Now, this year, hopefully, the team is going to be ready to roll in terms of you know the Hockey East tournament and the Frozen Four. There's not going to be a bean pot, unfortunately. But this, you know, over the last you know ten, you know, twenty games, this team has played exceptionally well, and and you have to look at Spencer Knight as one of the big catalysts. You know, over a period of uh, five games last year, he let up an average of one point two five goals per game. You know, he you know one goal against Northeastern, one goal against Merrimack, one goal against BU, one goal against New New Hampshire. So you you have one of the most impressive streaks coming from Boston College. So number 10 was that men's hockey streak, which just ended actually last week when they lost to UConn. Number nine is going to, we're going to go into the football realm. And this didn't seem like that big of a play if you just weren't watching the game. But number nine is John Tessitore's false start play that caused Clemson to jump off sides and allow Boston College to score a touchdown. Now, if you were watching this game, Boston College and Clemson were battling, and Clemson looked like they were about to jump into this game, and and it, it looked like the moment, like you've watched Steve Adazio 
in years past fumble these types of, of situations. Boston College was like right on the edge of where Aaron Bumeri would have hit a field goal, but still felt like there's a good possibility he would have missed it. So Boston College is fourth and th- I think it was three, and they set up to go for it uh, the, to kick a field goal. Then all of a sudden they start moving players around, and then John Tessitore lines up behind center like he's going to fake it. Hard snaps. Clemson jumps off sides, and they get the first down. Now that was cool in itself because a moment later they threw a nice touchdown pass. Um, Jakovic threw a nice down touchdown pass to C.J. Lewis. But what was even more special was if you were watching it on TV. And that was because Joe Tessitore, John's father, was announcing the game on live television. And it was just one of those really special moments because you could tell the pride of his dad. You know, John Tessitore is not, you know, a huge player for Boston College. He's not a kicker. I mean, he's he's a, he's a place kick holder. You know, the, one of, probably one of the most unsexy positions in college football. He just holds the kick and that's what he does. But in this moment... He was the star out there, and it was such a cool moment for Boston College, and it was a cool moment for him Um, and his dad. You you know, like to see a father and son have that moment through you know through television and and play on the field. Even anybody watching that could tell it was cool. You know, you could see people on Twitter who didn't even know the story watching that, going, "Man, that was cool." Because the way John Joe did it. It didn't. It, it, you could tell he was beaming because it was his dad, because he was his dad. But he was so professional about it. It wasn't like blowhard Boston College homerism. It was professionalism, but with that subtle taste to it of, of something only a dad and son could do. And he did it in in such a professional, awesome way. So. My number nine is John Tessitore in that one play. And you know what? Have we talked about John Tessitore since then? No. But he's done a he's done a heck of a job, and he deserves to be on here. And I, I love to talk stories of guys that you don't you don't really get to talk to a lot about a lot of, and he's one of them. So John Tessitore's uh, place kick hold slash uh, fake kick, you're number nine. Now, as I've said before, I'm not always positive. If you followed me for years, you saw me get real negative when it was during the Steve Adazio and Frank Spaziani years. So I want to give you also my top five negative moments of the year. And there's quite a few of those too. So, so each day I'm going to give you for the next week, I'm going to give you two positives and one negative. It's still net positive, right? And my first negative, you don't have to look very far back to get it. It was last week's loss to Syracuse in basketball. Just a pathetic, you know, showing for a Boston college. Just, they just look completely disinterested. They, they got blown out in one of the worst losses in Conti form history to a Syracuse team that barely beat Northeastern a week later. And this team just looked completely just disinterested in this game, you know, for a year where many people are wondering why Jim Christian was brought back to lose a game like this and to show such little life and such little fight, really made it hard to swallow. It was one of those... It, most people had already tuned out, so it's not like they're upset, but for someone like myself who covers it, it just seemed like, wow, this does not look like... This This season looks like it's, it's rounding the toilet really quickly. So my number five worst moment of 2020 is that loss to Syracuse in men's basketball. So stay tuned. Tomorrow on our Tuesday show, I'm going to give you number eight and number seven on our best moments list and number four for our negative moments list. If you have others, 
leave them in the comment section on Twitter or on Facebook. Just let us know what you think. If you have a list of what your top 10 are going to be, I love to see what you guys come up with as well because people have you know, different tastes. And make sure you follow us on Facebook. You can find us at Boston College SI. I'm the editor and publisher of the SI uh, Network website, BC Bulletin. You can check us out at bcbulletin.com. Again, I'm AJ Black. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. Thank you to everyone out there again. I uh, hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas season, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I'm sure hopefully there'll be some more news coming up that we can we can break down in the next couple days. I'm sure there'll be some recruiting stuff that'll be coming up as well. So thank you all, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone.